With your Bible open to Philippians chapter 2. The same passage that Brother Eric read from a few moments ago. I want to speak to you today on the subject, Jesus is the joy of living. I want to give you several reasons why Jesus is the joy of living. The Apostle Paul many times said he did not come with elegant words, and yet he was the Aristotle of his day, perhaps one of the most brilliant of all the men of his generation. And he wrote, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and being found in fashion as a man he humbled himself and became obedient unto death even the death of the cross wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven things in earth things under the earth that every tongue should confess Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Why is Jesus the joy of living? Jesus the joy and the jewel of heaven, the epitome of purity and perfection, the superlative of all the adjectives, the ultimate authority, the secret of eternal life, Jesus. Without him, men are miserable. With him, there is hope and joy and forgiveness and life here abundantly and life eternal. Here are the reasons why I believe Jesus is the joy of living. Number one, because he paid the price for our sins. There was none other good enough to pay the price for sin. He only could unlock the door of heaven and let us in. In 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning with verse 18, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold from your feigned conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. In the beginning, when God made man, there was no sin. We were perfect. There was innocency. And then Satan came on the scene. They rebelled against God, and he did his best to get men to rebel against God. Hath God really said? Hath God really said? And he began to plant doubts in the minds of God's creation about the word of God. That's one of the devil's chief ploys. Even today, there are atheists and agnostics who have questions about the Bible and believe not the Bible. That was Satan's original temptation to Adam and Eve. Did God really say this? Did God really mean this? And Adam and Eve went into sin. They did what God said not to do. Sin is anything that hurts 
our enthusiasm for the Lord. Sin is anything that breaks God's law. Sin is the transgression of the law. God said, don't do it. Man said, that's none of your business. God, I'll do it anyway. And so sin passed upon all men for they're all of sin and come short of the glory of God. And we became helpless to break the cords of that sin that bound us to ourself. The middle letter of sin is I. There is no sin except the I asserting itself above the word and the power and the person of God. God says, no, I say, I'll do it anyway. God says, thou shalt not. And man says, why? I'll do it anyway. It pleases me. And so we became enmeshed in our sin. Sin wrapped its coils around us and dragged us down, down, down. If I should ask Cammie Joe to come up here. And I'd put a little thread around her hand and I'd say, Cammie Joe's even break that. She'd go like that and break it. I'd put her hands together again, wrap it around three or four times. I'd say, Cammie Joe, break that. And she'd break it. I put that, those hands together and took that same little thread and wrapped it around and around and around and around and around. I'd say, Cammie Joe, can you break it? And she'd try and try and try, but she couldn't. It would take a force greater than herself to snap those guy wires of sin those guy wires of that thread that held her in bondage. That's what sin does. Man. That's what sin has done to every one of us. But Jesus came and paid the price for sin. The Bible says, Man. without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. And Jesus paid it all. Man. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but Jesus washed it white as snow. That's the reason Jesus is the joy of living. He's paid the price for our sin. Without Jesus, we have to pay our own price. Everyone within the sound of my voice today, if you do not go to Jesus and trust him, put your faith in him, there'll be a day when you'll stand before God and you'll have to pay the price for your own sin. And the wages of that sin is death, hell, separation from God forever. And you can scoff at me today about that. You can laugh at me and say, I don't believe that. Friend, you won't be standing before God for a minute till you remember back Glendale Baptist Amen. Church, May the 5th, 2002. I heard that. I heard it. Man. Jesus is the joy of living because he's already paid the price for sin. You don't have to pay your own price. Nothing in my hands I bring simply to thy cross I cling. Could my tears forever flow? Could my zeal no longer linger? No, these for sin could not atone. Thou must save and thou alone. Only Jesus. And secondly, Jesus has put away the priestly system. Did you hear that? Jesus has put away the priestly system, the Old Testament sacrificial system. Look in your Bible in Hebrews chapter 10, beginning with verse 4. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sin. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldst not, but a body thou hast prepared me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin thou hast no pleasure. Look in verse 10. 
by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Every priest standeth daily ministering and offering sometimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sin. But this man, after he'd offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God from henceforth expecting till his enemies he made his footstool. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Amen. In the Old Testament day when persons sinned, they would take an animal, or if they did not have the money for an animal, a turtle dove or a pigeon or something, they'd take it to the priest and offer that, and the priest would kill that animal and offer the blood on the altar. But this scripture says, not all the blood of beasts on Jewish altars slain could give the guilty conscience peace or take away its stain. But Christ, our heavenly lamb, takes all our sins away, sacrifice of nobler name a richer blood than they. Jesus put away the priestly system. Never again does a man have to go and offer a blood sacrifice for his sins. I think of the millions of people who have waded into the Ganges River in India thinking that they would be cleansed by the water of the Ganges. All those precious Indian women who take their prized little child and offer him to the gods of the Ganges River and put that little baby, drown him in the water, thinking that that would bring forgiveness for sin. All around the world, there's idolatry. There are people who think they have to do something they can do to get forgiveness. And in all of it, it's vanity. The Bible says that Cain offered to God a more ex Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. That's an interesting verse in Hebrews chapter 11. If you look at what uh, Cain did, he, went, he was a farmer. He went out and got the best vegetables he could and the best herbs and everything, brought it as an offering to God. He did the very best he could. But the Bible says there is a way that seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof is the way of death. On the other hand, Abel had learned from his mother and daddy, just like Cain had, that God wants a blood offering. And he went out and slew an animal and took an animal sacrifice. And God accepted Abel's offering, but rejected Cain's offering because Abel's offering was a picture of something yet to come. It was a picture that one day the blood sacrifice of the Son of God would take away all the sins of the world. John interrupted his preaching one day and said, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. The Jews knew what that meant, that Jesus was the Lamb slain Amen. from the foundation of the world. And when he would die on an old rugged cross, all the sins of the world would be absolved and forgiven if we put our trust and faith in Amen. him. And so Jesus put away the priestly system. That's the reason in Baptist churches we don't call our minister a priest. We call him a preacher. Did you know that everybody in this auditorium who is saved is a priest? Everyone. That's Priest Lloyd over there. You don't usually call him that. what he is. Priest Mickey. There's Priest Susan down there. 
You say, well, that's sort of obnoxious. You wouldn't go around calling a priest. Well, don't call me a priest then. Well, I don't call you a preacher. Well, don't call any man on earth a priest. Because unless we call each other priests, we miss the whole point. A priest is somebody who represents man to God and God to man. And Jesus is the only one that does that. Man. He is the high priest. And forever and forever and forever it is settled in heaven. There is no priest that can absolve you from sin. There's no priest that can come and give you final absolutionism, guarantee you heaven. There's no priest that you can go and confess your sins to and he'll forgive you. He can't forgive you, but God can. Amen. And Jesus put away the priestly system. Never again does a human being have to go to a priest and offer a sacrifice for sin. Thirdly, not only did he pay the price for sin, not only did he put away the priestly system, but he pro promised perpetual life. You say that's a strange way to put it. Well, usually perpetual, we mean by that something that gets in motion, keeps on going with no battery, no electricity, it just keeps on and on and on and on. And we really haven't discovered how to do that. There's, there are things that are empowered by nuclear power and energy and so on, and they look like they have perpetual motion. But when that all runs out, they all die. But God has promised something better to you and me. Look in John chapter 10. My sheep hear my voice and I know them. And I give unto them... They shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. Amen. You see, God has promised perpetual life to those who put their trust in Him. Amen. He is not an Indian giver. That may be a racial slur, and I don't mean it for it to be. But they used to use that term to say an Indian would give and then take it back. I don't know whether that's true or not, but God never does that. He doesn't give you something and then take it back. He doesn't give you eternal life and then snatch it back from you. That's the reason a man that is genuinely born again, genuinely saved by the blood of Christ, can never be lost after he's saved. He is saved forever. Does that give us a license to sin? A thousand times, no. I'll come to that in a moment. But it does remind us that the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanseth us from just a few sins, just past sins, just a sin we did yesterday, just some sin we did this morning. No, the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanseth us from, let's say it, all sin, all past present, future. And when I stand before God, I do not have to give an account of my sins. There will be a time at the Bema judgment seat of Christ when I will have to give an account of my works. But my sins were put on Christ. And when Jesus died 2,000 years ago on that cross, all of our sins were placed on Him. Jesus paid it all. All to Him I owe sin and left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. And my friend, if you're saved, you're saved forever. Amen. Right. Now, not everybody who makes a profession of faith is saved. Not everybody that walks down the aisle is saved. 
Not everyone that gets your name on the church roll is saved. You're only saved when you put your trust and faith as the Holy Spirit gives you the liberty. You just put your trust and faith in Christ and you say, here I stand. God being my helper, I can do nothing else. I trust Jesus. And I want to tell you, the devil will do everything he can to try to accuse you. Man, he'll point his finger in your face at some past sin, some present problem you have, and he'll say, ha, ha, ha. If you were really saved, you couldn't do that. Man, I want you to look at David. He wrote, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Committed adultery, you say, did he go to heaven? The Bible says he did. He's counted as one of the faithful. You think of Jacob. He was a supplanter. He cheated his brother out of his birthright. He was a liar. He's listed in the roll call of the faithful. You say, does that give you a license to sin a thousand times? No. God, in his wonderful providence, in the saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, has provided power sufficient to overcome day by day by day by day Amen. works of iniquity. Turn your Bible to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6 and look at it for just a moment. This is one of the great marvels of the Bible. <clears throat> Jesus is the joy of living. He promised power sufficient to give us strength for the day. Look in Romans 6. What shall we they send they? What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? In other words, Paul had been preaching you're saved by grace, and a committee came to him and said, Brother Paul, if you're saved by grace, then I guess you can keep on sinning. He used the strongest Greek negative. He said, Meganoito. God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? You notice what he's saying? Live any longer therein so that sin is the characteristic of our life and we want to do it and we love to do it. We may sin. We may have some dark time in our life. But because Jesus reigns inside, he'll give us a hatred for it. Amen. He'll give us a disdain for it. He'll bring conviction to our heart to show us that is wrong. And we'll want to turn away from it. Right. And sin, this chapter says, shall not have dominion over you. It shall not have power over you. Look in verse, chapter 6, verse 11, Romans 6, 11. Likewise reckon ye yourselves also to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Who's he talking to? He's talking to believers. Man. When he says, let not sin reign in your mortal body, he reminds us that if we want to go on sinning, we can. But he says, you don't have to. The lost man can't help it. The saved man can't help it. Man. The lost man, his vocabulary is naturally D and H and S and F and all those words. The saved man, when he uses that kind of language, the Spirit of God inside says, wait a minute, wait a minute. You have been purchased by the blood of Jesus. That doesn't belong in your vocabulary. Let not sin therefore reign 
in your mortal body. You can commit adultery. You can get into sexual sins. But the Holy Spirit will be there to say, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You belong to God. Amen. You're not your own. You've been bought with a price. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God, for sin shall not have dominion over you. Jesus is the joy of living because he paid the price for our sin. He put away the priestly system. He promised perpetual life, that is life that goes on and on and on because it's stirred by the Spirit of God within us. And then he is the joy of living because he promised power sufficient. Number one, to close the door of hell. There is therefore now no hell to those who are in Christ Jesus. The word for judgment means condemnation. Condemnation means condemned to hell. There is therefore now no condemnation. There is therefore now no judgment. There is therefore now no hell for those who are in Christ Jesus. Are you in Christ? Ma'am. Then Jesus is the joy of living because you're not going to face hell. You just think of that. You come to life's last moment. You're lying there and your loved ones are around you. If you've been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, you don't have to say, I'm scared. I'm scared I'll go to hell. No, no, no believer in Jesus Christ has ever gone to hell. Amen. He gives power to shut the door of hell. He gives power to overcome sin day by day by day. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. He gives authority in the face of loneliness and temptation. Tempted and tried, we're all made to wonder why it should be thus all the day long. While there are others living around us, never molested, though in the wrong. God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, gives us the strength to reach out and claim that promise and know that though temptations come. And all around us are people that seem to be living okay. Maybe they're ungodly and we're the ones that are having the problems and the trials. But Jesus whispers peace to the heart. Amen. Says it's okay. The whole story isn't in yet. Amen. You just wait a little longer, friend. He provides the city of refuge. You know, I like that. You read in the Old Testament about the cities of refuge. Now listen, these were cities where a person who was guilty could flee to and nobody could touch him. Jesus is our city of refuge. Man. We're guilty. There's not one person in this room who could stay, stand and say, I'm not guilty of sin. Yes, we are. We've all sinned. But Jesus provides that city of refuge and we can flee to him. And Satan cannot touch us. Hell cannot touch us. And nobody can drag you down, down, down to defeat. He provides power sufficient. He provides that city of refuge. Some of, some of us need that. There are people within the sound of my voice today who are suffering under the accusations of the devil. You're suffering because 
people have been unfair to you. Some ladies come home and said, I don't love you anymore. Some man has come home and said, I don't love you anymore. Children have been victims of homes that have been torn apart by passion and lust. Not fair. I'll tell you, Jesus is our city of refuge. You can flee to him and he'll take care of you. He'll be with you. Amen. He'll sustain you. He'll strengthen you. And then Jesus is the joy of living because he provides power to open the door of heaven. Amen. When my life's work is ended, and I've crossed the sea, and I'm there at the end, Jesus will be there. Amen. He'll take me by the hand, place my hand in God's hand forever. He'll say, it's all right. Amen. It's all right. I don't know how soon any of us will be going there. If we're saved, heaven is our homeland. It is our homeland. This world is not our home. Amen. We're just travelers. We're just pilgrims. We're just passing through. But one day, we'll be in his presence forever. Amen. Gone will be the powers that would drag us down. Gone will be all of those misunderstandings that have caused us so much hurt here in life. Gone will be all that passion that caused us to take our hearts off of God. And we'll be with him forever. Amen. That's the reason Jesus is the joy of living. He's the joy of living. And friend, if you do not know him, I encourage you to give your heart to him. Man. You'll never be disappointed in Jesus. There is no disappointment in him. Let's bow together in prayer. Our Father, we thank you that Jesus is indeed the joy of living. And he promised he'd never leave us or forsake us. He'd be with us all the way. We pray that everyone in this room and within the sound of our voice would reach out and invite Christ to be Savior and Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand, please. 154, Jesus is tenderly calling you home. Now listen to this one last thought. Jesus died on a Lord rugged cross. He was God in human flesh. And he paid the price for your sin. He invites you. Jesus is tenderly calling you to come. If you're not a Christian today, I want to ask you, to come and say, by the grace of God, I want to come with my questions and come with my doubts, but I want to come. And he that cometh to Jesus, God will never cast you out. If your membership is in somewhere else and God wants you at Glendale, you come today. However the Holy Spirit has spoken to your heart, do what God tells you to do while we sing. We